What's better than this? Guys being guys being guys being guys being, guys being dudes. What is good, everybody? Another great episode of Pax Interference coming your way. We are reaching the end game here, season winding down. We got the championship games this week, and we're about to throw it down like Marco Wilson. Uh, <laughs> yes, got sir. Em. Had had got to start em. off with that. Had to yes. start off with that. I'm, uh, I'm Patrick Brickman, co-host number two, joined by co-host number one, Patrick Norwood. How are you doing today, man? Hey, number two. Hey, number one. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm ready for the holidays. That's for sure. We got the uh, got the old Christmas cards uh, ready to go. They're ready to be stamped and put in the mail, which is good. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, just ready for uh, championship Saturday. It's gonna feel a little weird playing the SEC title game at 8 p.m. But you know, got to do what we got to do. It's gonna uh, be a late one, man. It's gonna be a late game. Yes, it's gonna be a late game. We'll get into that in just a second, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. This is your favorite college football podcast. You can find us on the internets. You may have heard of it if you have ever been on a computer, but if you surf the web, you can go to twitter.com and find us at pi underscore podcast. Go to Facebook, Pat's Interference. That's P A T apostrophe S Interference. Uh, or you can go to our website, patsinterference.com. You can also reach us through email at patsinterference at gmail.com. Uh, we just get swarmed with fan mail pretty much every week. Um, uh, you know, it's hard just, to keep it, up with, man. It takes hours to go through, but we love hearing from it. We love hearing from you, the fans. Uh, and now let's get into the week that was last week. Not anything super exciting, except one game, which was very exciting. You had... LSU taking down Florida in one of the weirdest games we've seen this season, one that I will definitely never forget. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they said they really loved this game because it gave them something they had never seen in a football game. Uh, And I'd have to agree with that. I I don't think I've ever seen a 15-yard penalty uh, for throwing a shoe 20 (laughs) yards down the field, which I like the referee's explanation. He didn't just say it was a personal foul penalty. He said it was a personal foul penalty because... A player threw a shoe 20, 20 yards, yards down the field. He 20 yards specified how far it went, uh, which I appreciated. So despite Kyle Trask's almost 500 yards of passing offense, LSU kicks a game-winning 57-yard field goal in a driving fog storm, I guess yeah. you'll call it. Yeah, a very foggy day. I guess you could say they were calling the fog. Ooh. Woo, woo, fog, suey. Uh, Kyle Trask throwing for almost 500 yards, like I said. But Brick, according to you, that may be the reason they lost. Yes. Um, I have a lot of opinions on this game, and especially the way it was called by Dan Mullen. Um, uh, so we all know that Florida's been a, uh, a very much a passing team this year. Uh, it's been very well documented. I know coming into either last week or the week before, they had six rushing touchdowns on the season. So I get that they've been a passing team. But the run game was working for them in this game. Their top two rushers, Malik Davis, Kadarius, Tony. Tony was averaging 19 yards a carry. Malik Davis was averaging almost 12 yards a carry on uh, 10 combined carries. So they're not... I don't understand why those two guys only touched the ball 10 times in the run game. And Kyle Trask is throwing it 47 times. When the run game is clearly working... In a foggy game, in a game that you were trying to preserve a lead for most of the game in, they were down, then they took the lead at half, and then they had the lead. I just, with the circumstances being what they were, I don't understand why they did that. I can tell you why they did that, because Dan Mullen was trying to win his guy a Heisman. He thought that they would walk in 
walk all over LSU, pass all over LSU, because we all know their their defensive backfield besides Derek Stingley has been terrible. But he just thought they'd walk in, throw all over him, have no problem, come out with a 20-point win. Right. And that was the game plan, and they didn't deviate from it at all. No, they didn't. And, you know, I think the ironic part is he severely damaged his guy's hope at a Heisman. Uh yeah, he threw for 474 yards. Yes, he threw for six touchdowns. He also threw two really bad picks and had some really, really bad calls, just bad throws. Yeah, no, all he only threw for two touchdowns, and, and, um, and he threw a pick six. Yeah, right. Or did he only throw for – I'm sorry, I'm looking at December stats. I was about to say, I was like, there's no way he threw for six touchdowns. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm so sorry about that. But, yeah, he. I mean, he didn't really have a great game. I, I, that sounds ridiculous because he threw for, what, 474 yards? Yeah. But he really wasn't impressive in the 50-some-odd pass attempts he had. No, uh, it wasn't his best game. And, and, yeah, you're and right. Was, they, they put way too much on him when other things were working. Yes, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if Dan Mullen just didn't watch the game tape from the Alabama-LSU game. You can run on LSU. You can absolutely run on LSU. There, there's nothing that says that you can't. Also, in a game where you don't have your best receiver on the season, you shouldn't be throwing the ball this much. Well, that was another thing. A lot of people thought they were resting him because they, they, again, were not respecting LSU as an opponent. I mean, right. Kyle Pitts was out there warming up in pads with the team, and they and they, they decided for him not. Now, of course, they're always going to stick to the to the story that uh, – that he was injured and couldn't play. But a lot of people think that they were resting Kyle Pitts for the uh, SEC championship game. Well, I hope that worked out for him. They had three turnovers. They had. How do you lose a game where you gain 609 yards? You turn it over three times. You One turn it over three six. times and you don't control possession, which they did both of those things just very, very poorly. Uh, towards the middle and the end of the fourth quarter, it seemed like Florida was just kind of playing not to lose, just kind of playing survival football. And you can't do that. Yeah. You cannot do that when you're number one, especially when you're playing a team that's got three wins on the season who's been embarrassed and laughably bad all season. They've got nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. So I think this is an extremely uh, bad downshift for Florida and especially Dan Mullen. You know, Without the loss to Texas A&M, you're probably still looking at being in playoff contention. Uh, however, this is just, this is not good. This is, this is not what Florida wanted to see. Um, and obviously it, it severely hinders Kyle Trask's Heisman hopes, which we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but it also makes it uh, damn near impossible for Florida to get into the playoff. I, I think they have to beat Alabama by 28 or more and have catastrophe strike Ohio state and either Clemson or Notre Dame and probably need Iowa State to lose as well if we're really being honest. Yeah, they need some they need some help. I mean, this is this all but shatters every every, you know, expectation they had for the season, especially late in the season where it looked like they could sneak into the playoff. I mean, it, it was always the story always was they needed to beat Alabama, right? Yes. But now they not only need to beat Alabama, they need further help. I mean, this this really just this will define their season. And they and need, we got yes. I guess we got to we got to talk about the um the, the, the Marco Wilson shoe throw. And as funny and, and memeable as it was, there are still so many more reasons they lost that game. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. With, 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 uh, it's fun to, to make fun of the shoe throw. Actually, I think it's fun to overreact even to the shoe throw. I actually can understand. I mean, the dude made a huge play, gets up off the 
Growlin has a shoe in his hand. He doesn't know whose shoe it is, probably. Yes. He doesn't even know. He just knows that he their team's supposed to be getting the ball back. And he just was excited. He just threw it. I get it's a personal foul, but it, the whole... This is the most selfish thing I've ever seen. I mean, I can I can imagine just making a play like that, having a shoe in my hand and just throwing it in excitement. I, I don't think it was selfish. It was kind of silly. It might be it might be borderline stupid. I get that. It cost this team the game in the end. Yes, selfish is not the word I'm really willing to throw out there as often as other people are. Well, no, I mean, really, if we're pointing fingers as to why Florida lost this game. They let a quarterback, a freshman in Max Johnson, throw for 239 yards and three touchdowns. Now, he wasn't like super impressive, but the other piece of that puzzle, they could not stop your boy, Kayshawn Boutte, to save their lives. Yeah. Five receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. It just, Florida, like I said, Florida played not to lose for a good portion of this game. You know, and you look at the first half, it's, you know, okay, it's seven to seven. Florida goes into the locker room, it's, you know, 24 uh, 17. All right, not great. They looked pretty dumb in the first half, but you're only down by a touchdown, right? You've given up 24 points, but it's not a secret that your defense isn't very good. Florida then takes a lead uh, going into the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden the wheels just start falling off because they're playing safe. It's like they were trying to kill the clock the entire fourth quarter. Um, and it was just... try to kill the clock by continuing to throw the ball. Yes, right. Right, and it was just it. It wasn't good. They were trying to be safe. They they did not let Kyle Trask just kind of be Kyle Trask for a second. Um, they kept trying to throw underneath and throw all these little out routes and everything, and just nothing was working. Um, and again, that's off to LSU. They played like they didn't have anything to lose. You know, Coach O was furious with how they played against Alabama. Um, you know, and they wanted to right the ship, and that was the best way to do that. But yes, it it, it completely hindered Kyle Trask's Heisman hopes. It completely, I will say, ruined their playoff chances. Uh, and it was just a dumb game. It was just a really, really dumb game. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to say about the Florida game? No. I, I think we covered it right there, baby. I think we got it. We're going to rip through uh, some games here. I'm just going to get one sentence from you on the rest of these games. How's that sound? Let's do it. JT Daniels now has more passing touchdowns than any other quarterback at Georgia this season. Uh, is that the biggest mistake Kirby Smart has made in his coaching career? I, yeah, here's the funny thing about Georgia. I actually believe that they are playing like a top four, top five team right now. I, I think if, if we were just, if we wiped the records and just went with how they're playing today and didn't take the season into account, Georgia's probably in the top five, in my opinion. Yeah, they're, Car- they're a team that I wouldn't want to face right now. They, if they'd started JT Daniels when they should have, and I, that's the thing is they, I keep hearing people say that, well, he wasn't ready. He wasn't clear. He was cleared before the seat. No, he was cleared before the Auburn game. He was cleared before uh, Auburn. Yes. He, he was, was, he was he ready was out the first the two games. Yep. He was cleared before the Auburn game. Yep. Medically by doctors. And they still waited until what? Wait, week eight, nine to put him in. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe later than that. It was probably past week 10. I don't remember how many games he started now. That's a huge, I mean, he, I don't know if they would have beaten Florida. I don't know if they would have beaten Alabama. They they had Alabama on the ropes at halftime. They had kept it decently close in the first half with Florida. I don't know if they would have won those games if they'd won even one of those games. Florida's in the top four right now. They're gonna they're the the team getting the nod over a five win Ohio State right now. I promise you that. But they lose the two games and they're they're as much of an afterthought as anybody. North Carolina breaks multiple records, putting up sixty two points on the number ten team in the country. Even after I said we're not going to talk about North Carolina, it feels like an insult to not talk about him a little bit here. Uh, Michael Carter with 308 rushing yards. 
Uh, Brick, was this, and again, just one thought, is this North Carolina being overrated or underrated or Miami being overrated? Well, Miami's been overrated all season. I don't, I, I haven't been able to put my finger on North. I mean, neither of us have. I mean, for, for what, you know, we were talking about them in the, in the top six, seven, eight teams just a few weeks ago because that's where they were. Uh, then they lose three games. They look ugly doing it. I don't know where this came from. I don't know where the rushing yards came from. I don't know where the Miami defense went. Yes. I didn't watch a game. I'd like to know why this happened because uh, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought Miami would win. I thought it would be a close game. 62-26. I mean, they, they, tw- they ran it all over them. What, it was over 500 total yards. They had another running back that had a – Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what, 200 yards, right? They had an, yeah. uh, Javante Williams, I want to say, won over 200. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Uh, meanwhile, the rushing leader for Miami is Derek King. He had 11 carries for 53 yards. So Oof. it was dominance from start to finish. Uh, North Carolina almost had 800 total yards of offense in this one. They had 31 first downs and control possession th- for over 40 minutes of the game. I think that could tell you where both programs really are heading into next year. At the end of the day, I don't think that game super mattered for either team. Maybe, okay, so North Carolina probably, there's a good chance they'll they'll get a New Year's Six bid because of that win. And that's big, for, obviously that's big. I'm not trying to say the game didn't matter. But it, it, for me, it, it shows more maybe where the programs are heading next year. I think Miami could see a pretty pretty sizable drop-off. They're going to lose King. Well, I guess he technically retains his uh his eligibility, so he could be back. Yep. But. Yep. All right. Um, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Coastal Carolina at Troy. Coastal wins forty two thirty eight in a close one. Brick, do they deserve to be in the top ten? Um. Yeah. I I think I could put them at ten. I need to pull up the rankings, but I mean, Cincinnati is the team I think that is getting the least amount of respect. Coastal. They've been a fun story. I don't want to say they're they're not a good team. They're a good team. They don't have the wins that would traditionally put other than BYU that would put you into the top ten. Yes, well, and it didn't help that BYU struggled this week as well, yeah. right? Like, that, that that makes that win a little more hollow, I believe, but I'm not taking anything away from Coastal. I think Coastal deserves to be in the top 10. I think Coastal deserves to be higher than Georgia, if I'm being honest, because um, you got to take the body of work, right? It's, it's not the how they played in the last three weeks. It's the body of work. Coastal's body of work was they've called out a top 10 opponent. They beat them at home on three or four days' notice, and Georgia still has yet to get a top five or top 10 win this season. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a good way to put it. I, I know. don't know that I'm ready. Cause I understand there's an, there's, there's a bias there. So, so either you eliminate the bias completely. It's just, especially this is the hardest year that it's ever been to do it because there are so few out of conference games. Um, if you eliminate the bias completely, like you're saying then yes, they should absolutely be ahead of Georgia. They should be ahead of Florida. They should be ahead of Iowa state. Honestly, yes. They're yep. undefeated. The other, all those teams have two losses. Oklahoma, but I, I can't get rid of that bias. I, I, I think we both pretty much understand what would probably happen if you threw Georgia and Coastal Carolina on a neutral field. Yes, I agree. And you—that's the part of it you can't get rid of. Right, right. You can't get rid of that bias. You're right. Uh, Northwestern struggles a little bit against Illinois. Still gets the win, twenty-eight to ten. Brick, do they have any chance of upsetting Ohio State in the Big Ten title? Uh. I mean, I want to say no. I'm going to say absolutely not, no. I'm, I want to say out of out of all the major conference championship games we got our eyes on, I would say that's the the least likely upset ahead of Alabama, Florida. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I, I'd say that as well. Um, Northwestern, 
horrendous on defense this year. Uh, go look at the numbers if you don't believe me. USC and UCLA, the battle for the victory bell, wound up to be a doozy brick. Uh, USC erasing an 18-point deficit to beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl. A really, really good game. Scored a touchdown with, like, I think 35 or 36 seconds left. Uh, really, really good game. Um, USC, do they deserve any playoff talk? No, I don't think I don't think that that conference really can. It, it doesn't have. I mean, you you see what the committee thinks of the Pac-12. I mean, they've got them one spot below Coastal Carolina. Yeah, right. They're they're right. they now I, the the uh, I guess the devil's advocate is. I mean, their impressive isn't or their their resume, sorry, isn't any less impressive than Ohio State at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you're you're talking about a one point win over Arizona State. Four point. We saw how awful Arizona was a couple weeks ago. I well, they beat them by four. And that Arizona State win, they had to recover an onside kick, uh, right? And then drive down the field with I think twenty seconds left to beat them. Not that that's unimpressive, but Arizona State's not exactly the, the greatest team in the Pac-12 right now. Although they did win seventy to seven over Arizona this week, forks up. So I guess the real. I mean, this 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 circles back around to does Ohio State deserve any of the the top four love they've been getting. And again, there's that bias. I mean, they started off the season ranked in the top three. So like, right. no, USC doesn't, doesn't deserve any playoff hype. No, I, uh, I agree with you. And I think the people who are getting way too caught up in the FPI percentage chance to make the playoff are ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen this, but ESPN's giving USC a higher chance than Clemson to get in the playoff right now. Well, the reason that is, is because if Clemson loses, they're like done, done. Right. And USC technically doesn't have a loss this season, which FPI takes into a huge consideration. Yeah, but, right. But, but sure. And but the college football playoff uh, committee didn't give USC a path. I mean, the, the, the rankings right. do. Right. Tell you. They, I mean, they didn't, they weren't if, if, they, if they'd put USC, if they'd gone. All right. They're undefeated. Uh, let, let's stick them uh, right below Florida. Yes. Then then they'd have a path and you could then you could. But they're they're way back at 13. I mean, yeah. their rankings are showing us that Coastal has a better chance. We all know Coastal's not getting in. No. There's just not a path. I mean, right. even if all the teams above them lose, besides Alabama, like, there's just no path. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's just the people who look at the FPI and consider that a reasoning or a, a, a thought process system as to who in the world should get in the playoff. That's just a ridiculous thing for me uh, to comprehend. BYU, like I said, narrowly escapes over uh, South Dakota, or South Dakota, excuse me, San Diego State, uh, 28-14. Zach Wilson still threw for 303 yards. Got to be tough for BYU to play the rest of the season uh, after what happened down near Myrtle Beach. Uh, Brick, other storylines I want to talk to you about. Obviously, Army-Navy was a big one. Really, really foggy game. The passing leader had 28 total yards in this game, and the final score was 15 to nothing. Armed, uh, the, the armed forces... Uh, really putting it out all on the line in a triple option battle of the century. Did you watch any of that game? I did not see any of that game. I think I watched one quarter of it, and it was, even for someone who loves running the ball as much as I do, it was pretty tough to watch, I'm going to be honest. Hopefully <laughs> next year is a little bit different, a little bit more exciting. Uh, always good to see that game, though. Best rivalry in college football, uh, hands down, uh, no question. Western Michigan at Ball State. Was interesting. I don't know if you've seen this. Western Michigan tried the you know the old lateral six hundred times and then run up the field and score uh, I didn't see that. as time is sweetheart. remaining. Uh, yes, Western Michigan is my sweetheart. They fell unfortunately. 
not because they didn't score. They did score. However, at one point during the lateral palooza, a Ball State player nearly tackled the ball carrier. He did not, but he nearly did. The entire Ball State bench goes charging out onto the field to celebrate while the play is still happening. Western Michigan runs down the field and scores. It's negated. They redo the play, and that's the end of the ball game. They don't even get close to the end zone there. It was a wild finish. Wild well, it wasn't finish. The, the, the whole reason it was negated, right, was because there was a forward there was a yes there? yeah yeah yeah. there was a forward pass there was a forward pass and then they said well everybody charged on the field it's just ball game right they just called it yeah. um uab beats rice 21 16 i know you're excited about that one blazer up they will play in the conference usa title this weekend correct yeah i've got a, my sound off today's about uab i can't wait for this uh the other big storyline and probably the biggest storyline in college football in my opinion uh other than lsu and florida uh, and the Marco Wilson cleat yeet, as it has been described, uh, was Sarah Fuller at Vanderbilt becomes the first woman to score in a Power 5 football game. Uh, awesome to see. Absolutely awesome to see. I don't know how you can look at that. That's going to be my sound off, by the way. I don't know how you can look at that other than just being happy for that person and happy for the sport. I don't know how people are angry about it, but I'm going to save that for my sound off. Uh, Brick, is there anything from last week... Uh, that you want to cover that so game I wise game wise no you you did a, a as always you did a, a just a spectacular job going through the key points of the week yeah I mean you just have a knack for it I appreciate it uh, I, I do want to get into the college football playoff rank there are a couple things we want to talk Heisman but I want to talk the rankings first and, and, let's and do the, that for, the first thing all right so the, the the top five remain unchanged um Alabama Notre Dame Clemson Ohio State A and I'm fine with that I don't understand how Florida loses to a team that they are favored by more than 20 points over. Uh, the worst upset of the season. Yes, but keep going. On, only drops one spot from six to seven. The only team that leapfrogged them there was Iowa State, and I don't get that. That is where and, – and Cincinnati drops, loses a spot. Cincinnati loses a spot. Yes, because uh, – that is, this, is, this is where I'm starting to go, what, okay, what's going on here? What are I we mean, doing? What are we doing? There's so much protection, and as you and I would say when we're talking about TV show, plot armor for the big programs. And you know me, and listeners of the podcast also know me. Power 5 elitist to the T. If you're not Power 5, I really don't think you have a case until the college football playoff expands and gives the group of five a spot, which I think they absolutely should. We've been over that song and dance a trillion times on this podcast. But there's so much protection for the big... Texas A&M's, Florida's, Georgia's of the world, especially in this playoff. And there's nothing given to Cincinnati. There's nothing given to Coastal. I think Indiana deserves to be ahead of Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Florida, by the way. Indiana took Ohio State to the wire. Indiana upset and beat everybody else on their schedule. And they've played great. They've looked great doing it. They haven't been able to play as many games. But if you're going by the logic that Ohio State deserves to be the number four team in the country yep. after only playing five games, and that Texas A&M deserves to be the number five country after only playing eight games, then you can't also tell me that Indiana does not deserve to be that way because they've only played seven games. That's yes. ludicrous. You have an Oklahoma team who was embarrassed the first three weeks of the season. They were one and two. 
you have a Georgia team who played a guy literally my size at quarterback for a good portion of the season and got mollywopped by both other top 10 opponents that they played. Okay, and I get the argument that they've gotten better now. I understand that. But then you've got Cincinnati, who has played eight games, hasn't lost, hasn't really come close to losing, who's down there staring up at Iowa State, who lost to University of Louisiana Lafayette to open up the season, lest you forget. Iowa State also has another loss, and somehow they are one, two, three, four, five spots. Five spots above Indiana. I, I, I don't know how North Carolina's number 15. They've been embarrassing this season. I don't know how BYU's below uh, USC. I don't know how BYU's below Northwestern. I, I don't know how Texas is number 20. I don't know how NC State's 22. I think the only part that makes sense towards the bottom of the rankings is I think they got Tulsa right, I think they got San Jose State right, and I think they got Colorado right. Because those three teams have actually played well and exceeded expectations this season and have given the college football playoff something to think about. Right? And as I see it, I just don't know how Indiana's not pushed up, I'd say, to probably, I'd put them probably seven or eight. I pushed yeah, Florida down to the 9-10 spot. I put Cincinnati at eight. You're, you're spot on with Indiana. I mean, again, because it, it, it feels like when you look at it and you look at the, what they just did, they're penalizing Indiana for a lack of games, and they go, well, we can't we can't put them ahead of Florida because they haven't played enough. They've played two less games, and I get that. But then at the same time, if you're going to go by that logic, you have to get Ohio State out of there because they've only played five, right? And the only other team right. in these rankings that has played five games is USC, and we just, went on, we just talked about USC, right? They're not going to respect USC for five games. But for some reason, Ohio State and and everybody. This is what's kind of made everybody mad this year. Again, it's a, this is the most difficult year to do rankings, and I get that because there's there's no like opponents unless you're just talking conference to conference. So many teams haven't played a full schedule. So many teams have had to adjust so much or haven't had all their players for certain games and stuff like that. Um, like like I want to say one of the explanations for Florida was that Kyle Pitts didn't play last week. That was a choice Florida looked like they made. Like, it's not like, I mean, uh, yes, they put him on an injury report, you can, but I don't know. With Ohio State, everybody's upset because, I'm going in circles, but Ohio, everybody's upset because Ohio State, for, for whatever reason, everybody else is getting penalized for their lack of games, except Ohio State because they're the blue blood, they're going to bring in money, they're going to yes. bring in interest, and they've been protected all season. Right, and I, I think, and again, do the two of us actually think right, that Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country. Because I absolutely yes. do. I absolutely yes, do. I don't really know. Players. They actually have not been world beaters. I mean, we all know how miserable Penn State was this year. And they they struggled. Not, I mean, they, they, they kept the game close against Penn State for the most of the game. Rutgers was giving them a game to halftime. We, all, we just talked about Indiana. That was only a touchdown game that Indiana had a lot of chances to win. Their two blowouts are against Michigan State. Awful. Nebraska, awful. I mean, they yes. haven't been world beaters. They haven't been what Clemson and Alabama have been, and Notre Dame to a to a point. Notre Dame hasn't blown out everybody like Clemson. The, the, Clemson's blemish is their loss, but they've blown everybody else out except Boston College. You get what I'm saying, though. They haven't been world beaters. They haven't been to me. They haven't been so much better in their wins that it's just irrefutable that they have to. St- it's not like they're beating teams 63 to three, but they've just been unlucky and only gotten to play five games. Right. They've had two blowouts 
and three closest to close games. They're so not my, world beaters right now. My top ten. I just did it right quick. My top ten right now. Um, and if I, as I look at the AP, I line up more with the AP than I would expect. Um, I think the AP actually disrespects Florida a little bit too much. They dropped them five spots to 11. I think that's a little bit too far, uh, but they have them in Georgia back-to-back. Um, I think the college football playoff actually fell in love with the, well, this team beat this team head-to-head, um, so this team needs to be ranked above this team. I think they fell in love with that a little bit too hard this year, and that's why Florida and Georgia are both so high because in their head, they say, okay, well, Florida lost. We should drop them a couple spots. Oh, wait, but Georgia's right there. And Georgia didn't lose. Georgia doesn't deserve to go down. So we're just going to pop Georgia up one spot, drop Florida one spot, and then we'll just put some... And it just doesn't make any sense. So my my top 10 right now, Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, OSU, uh, Texas A&M. I would get the same top five. I'm fine with that top five. Um, next, I'm going Indiana. Then I'm going Cincinnati because I think those two teams deserve it. Then I'll go Florida because I really do think Florida's a top 10 program. Like you said, I think Georgia's top 10 program. And then I'll go Iowa State. Because Iowa State, honestly, the rest of the way that I look, it's either Iowa State or Coastal Carolina in that 10th spot. No matter how many times I slice it, no matter how many ways I cut it, it's one of those two teams. And again, at the end of the day, if we're really talking about the college football playoff ranking, it just doesn't matter. Once you get outside the top six, seven, it really just doesn't matter what everything looks like. Which is, again, a reason that it's ridiculous we're having this discussion However, I think the disrespect to teams like Indiana, Cincinnati, Coastal, BYU is just palpable this year. And for someone who's usually all for that, it's an insult even to me this year. You say it doesn't matter, but let's, and it probably won't. See, it I would say it probably doesn't matter. But what happens this week if Clemson loses, um, Bama loses, or Ohio State loses, then those seven, eight, nine teams are very important. No, uh, what I'm saying is anything outside of the top 10 isn't important. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I thought you said outside no, 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 no. the top no, 6. No, no, I I think, like... I think, no, I think the top 8 are very, very important to the college yeah. football playoff landscape. I mean, there's like, there's a way that Georgia could technically sneak up into the top 6 this week. I don't think it'll happen, but they could. Um, And then, then it's a whole cluster, right? Because then you got Texas A&M, you got Georgia, you got Florida, probably all in the top 10, right? And then you're probably going to have to butt out Indiana out of there. I mean, there's just, it's just, it's so ridiculous to me that a team like Indiana, who, let's face it, I don't see them continuing at this pace, right? I would love to see that because I would love a new Big Ten contender. I think that'd be really fun. Um, But I just don't see Indiana keeping up this pace. This is the year that they've really put in the work. They've proven that they're one of the best teams in the country, and they've got nothing to show for it. Again, look at the AP. The AP goes Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M. I think we're all in that top five. They then go Cincinnati, Indiana, boom, boom, back to back. They've got Coastal in the top ten. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know. This is just one of the first years that I've looked at and said, you know what? The BCS would have worked here. Yeah, it really would have. I Like, ironically, it would have worked here. Okay, there's two 10-0 teams. One of them beat the number one team in the country. The other one is, you know, their smallest margin of victory was 15 points this year. And at the time, that was a number five team. They've also knocked off the number five team in the country, according to the playoff committee and according to the AP poll, by 28 points. If it was BCS, the only drama this week would be 
Notre Dame Clemson. It would be That'd Bama be against whoever wins the Notre yes. Dame Clemson game. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and if I'm being honest, Brick, I'm not exactly sure that Ohio State would make it through their season unscathed if this weren't a COVID season, right? Right. They, I, I don't think they. I mean, now I still think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they go undefeated this season. I don't know that they would have either. Just I don't think they've been world beaters. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, we we need to see double the games they've played. Um, and the rest, you know, they didn't get to play Michigan. I don't think Michigan would have beaten them. I guess the other team that could have beaten them would have been, like, Wisconsin, who hasn't been great. But whatever. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, no, I get what you – well, I mean, who would have imagined that Michigan State would have beat them in 2015? I mean, there's yeah. we can play that game all day. There's a ton of instances. Nobody would have predicted that the 2015 national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide, would lose to Ole Miss for the second year in a row. No yeah. one would have seen that. Like, this happens all the time in college football. And that's why I'm willing to, like, you can forgive some of these programs like Texas A&M's loss was to Alabama. Yeah, should have been. Number one team. You know, even some embarrassing losses. Like, yeah, Iowa State lost to ULL, and it was awful, and they looked terrible doing it. But you could feasibly, if that's their only loss, say, yeah, it was a fluke loss. It was a bad day. They've gotten a lot better. You know? I don't know if we could have done that for anybody really be in that six to 10 range this season. It's hard to rank teams when, when maybe 75% of the necessary games have been played this year and yeah. will be played this year. Yes. I don't know if that's the correct number. It's a number I threw out of there. But. No, that sounds about right. And it's our podcast. So we're just going to keep blowing through it. Um, I just scroll down and look at the coaches poll, by the way, they've got the same top five Cincinnati, Indiana, Iowa state, Georgia, Oklahoma, and then Florida's Cincinnati, 11. Yeah. Cincinnati getting love in the AP and the coaches. I, I just, for some I, reason there. I, I just I don't see what the committee sees. I mean, yes, you're you're gonna hear the people say, "Oh, well, Cincinnati hasn't played anybody. Cincinnati hasn't played anybody. Ohio State hasn't played anybody." Like, I, <laughs> I I just I don't know what else you want them to do. I mean, Cincinnati gets to play Tulsa this weekend, a top twenty-five program. They were supposed to play them two times in right in a row. They were supposed to play them last week. It got canceled because of COVID, and then they were gonna play them again this week. They're the eight p.m. ABC game. I mean, this it's this could be make or break for them. Mm. This is this is a scenario that could be a make or break for them. And now, instead, you're going to see if Ohio State loses, if Clemson gets mopped, you're going to see probably Texas A&M in the college football playoff. After losing to the team that they're probably going to end up playing by 28 points. This is if Notre Dame loses badly enough, which I don't think is going to happen. But, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't see what the college football playoff is doing this year. Most years you and I do this, and then we say, well, these don't matter till the last one anyway, right? They right. matter. This year it matters, man. Yeah. It's everything. Well, yeah, we knew, we knew that it was going to be like, I mean, before the season with the whole COVID thing, we knew it was going to be just this messy, just this very difficult, kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth way of doing things. Because, I mean, you could go into Texas A&M. The, the win against Florida is their, is their marquee moment, which looks a whole lot less stellar than it did a week ago. Yes. And besides that, you've got five-point win over Vanderbilt. Um, they beat Mississippi State, an, a, a terrible team, by just two touchdowns. Didn't they Arkansas, need— Arkansas, they only beat by 11. Bama they just needed, beat that team by 50. They needed two offensive touch or two non-offensive touchdowns to beat LSU by 13. Right, they didn't. They didn't really destroy. I mean, they they kept it. Cl I mean, in Auburn, kept it close till the last 
eight minutes of that game, and it was still only an 11-point win. They haven't, to me, I know that because they've won those games, that's why A&M is where they are, and they're in the SEC. Their resume is not that impressive. There 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 are currently three impressive resumes, and those are the top three. I mean, you look at, go look at their Auburn game. They had to put up a 17-point fourth quarter to beat Auburn. And the only reason I consider Clemson an, an impressive resume, because I know that their their biggest game of the season they lost, and their other big win is Miami, who hasn't been that good. I mean, we just saw what happened to them. And then uh, they just, they've blown everybody out. There's two really impressive resumes right now. And right. BCS would have worked this year. <laughs> Yeah, BC, BC, BCS would have worked this year. And again, I'm not pro-BCS. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it it would have worked. It just would have worked. Um, you know, it, it, we're going to get into the 18 playoff probably after this season. Um, you and I, just in a discussion about it. Um, I think you and I are both for it, right? For an eight-team playoff. Actually, I've no, I've never been for it. Okay. Does this year change your mind at all? Let's get into that. Uh, no, this year goes even less to change my mind. Okay. All right. I, I Like, I get it. I get it. I, I, if we're going 18 playoff, I don't want to see Florida or Georgia in a playoff. I don't so, want to see Iowa State in a playoff. But you don't want to see Coastal or Cincinnati in a playoff? No, we talked about being elitist power five. I, I don't really. I mean, I, I, I don't blame you. I really, really and, and, don't. Blame and in this and in this situation, neither of those teams are in right now, anyway. Right, right, but I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I think it waters down the regular season too far to me. I think it waters it down even. And this okay. is a, this is. I understand this is, that. To me, this isn't even the right year to discuss it. But I understand what we're saying. Maybe it is, and I'm just looking the other way. But you just here's the thing. It's just to me, it makes sense logistically because you get your your conference champions, right? If that is a three-loss Northwestern who upset an undefeated Ohio State, that's who it is. You get your five conference champions. You get two at-large bids. You get one group of five bid by vote. That's it. There's your playoff. And then we don't have to hear any more, because it's a lot less for me about actually wanting to see a group of five team. I think this year would be really interesting. Most years, I don't think it would be. Um, remember uh, UCF still claims a national title after beating a four loss Auburn team in a meaningless peach bowl. Yeah. So, so I really don't think, I mean, and they needed a late game touchdown pass to beat them. Like, I really don't think the group of five really ever has a shot at winning the college football playoff, but do I think that they could upset a one seed one year? Maybe, maybe. And I think that's what the college football playoff should be about, right? Is the best competition and you know, I, I don't think Texas A&M is better than Cincinnati. I'll go ahead and say it. You don't I, think they're I better really, than Cincinnati? I don't. I don't. I think I. I don't think that Cincinnati's like leaps and bounds better. I think they're neck and neck. I think they're on black and white. They're the same team. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, I think because I, I think A&M is 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 the uh, is maybe the the weakest cusp late playoff team I've seen in a long. I just. Yep. Uh, I think they're. I think they're barely above average i really i mean i know they're, they're playing in a they've they've benefited from playing in an abnormally weak sec west this year yeah yeah i mean because lsu's so down auburn's been down this year um 
Mississippi State's breaking in a new coach. Ole Miss is breaking in a new coach. They didn't even get to play Ole Miss. I think I, I was I was ready to almost say that Ole Miss could come upset them that week. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think the playoff is pretty. I, I think chalk is going to hold. I think it's going to be the 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 four teams that everybody expected to be Alabama, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, and I think the top four now are going to be the playoff teams. I think Clemson's going to jump up to the two seed. Bama's going to play Ohio State, and that'll be that. Yeah. Um, let's well, talk sorry, about, no, somebody's going to fall to four. Let's talk about the Heisman. Let's talk about the sure. Heisman. I'm going to ask you some true or false questions, and then we'll discuss. Sure. True or false, Trevor Lawrence has a shot at winning the Heisman if he plays well enough against Notre Dame. Mm. I'm not asking will he. I'm asking does he have a shot. True or false? True. True or false, a non-quarterback has the ability to win the Heisman this season. Very true. True or false, Kyle Trask can lose the SEC title game and still win the Heisman. Very false. Let's go through these. Trevor Lawrence should not have a shot at the Heisman Trophy, in my opinion. Not because I feel bad for him. He got COVID. That sucks. I feel awful that the ACC has gone through what they've went through. In... The game, and the games that he has played, he has not been dominant Heisman level like Trask or like Mac Jones, in my opinion. What do you think? I think he's been on a similar level. I mean, his numbers are really, really good for the amount of games he's played. His his stats go right up against Mac and Trask with with the just with the amount of games he has played. He's he's been he's had he's twenty touchdowns. He's had three interceptions. He's played a whole lot less games. I think if he played the amount Mac has. He'd be up there in the 29 range, 28 range where Mac is. Um, and he's been really good. I mean, I'm not going to say he, he's had a, he's He was having a Heisman-level season before he was forced to miss th- three games or this year or whatever. They haven't played now. Um, the reason I said true, and it's, this is a very, very long shot. I think we all know that, that it's a two and then a distant third-man race with Lawrence being the fourth. The only reason I say yes is if Mac is just okay – or, or even below average for himself. Devontae doesn't score on Saturday. Um, Trask loses. And then Lawrence goes out there, has a whale of a game, and makes some big, iconic, game-winning touchdown that's going to encapsulate his career. Let's not forget, Trevor Lawrence is still the poster child for college football. He's still the face of the sport. Uh, and the hair of the sport. Um, if that happens, he will garner some first-place votes. You might still have Mack and Devontae and even Kyle Trask splitting a lot more, and he could sneak into that top two. That's the only reason I said yeah. It, it, a lot of things would have to happen, but I'm, I don't think he's completely out of it. Just so, it's got to be that specific situation. So two out of his last three games, he's thrown uh, at least one pick. He's thrown for less than 300 yards. Um, his completion percentage has been nowhere near Mack or uh, Trask. Um the last game is the most telling to me because what do we say every single year about the Heisman Trophy? What kind of award is it? It's the what have you done? It's the last what have you, thing. People what have saw. you done? What have you done for me lately? Okay. Yep. Now you're right. You're right. I'm giving you this. I don't see a world in hell where Mac and Kyle Trask both play poorly enough to lose Heisman consideration, and Devonte Smith plays poorly enough to lose Heisman consideration, and a guy who just threw for only 195 yards against one of the historically worst teams in Virginia Tech history. Historically worst defenses in Virginia Tech history. 
He threw less than 200 yards. He had an interception. He looked below average the entire game. Unless he comes out and throws for 500 yards and has five TDs, Trask and Mac Jones and Devontae Smith all just completely lose their minds and can't play, then maybe he has a shot. But everybody's big criticism of Ohio State right now is they haven't played very many games. I don't see that narrative being changed for the Heisman Trophy. Um, so that's that's what I think about that. I, I you know, I, I get what you're saying. I think he is one of the best players in college football, but I think the what have you done for me lately is really going to haunt him. Well, that's um, what I but that's what I just erased. My I my argument was erasing the what have you done. My argument was erasing. Rick, he just threw for 195 yards. But that's not what he just did. It's not what he what he just did for me lately is what he does this week. Not what he did against Virginia Tech, what he does against Notre Dame. That's the what have you done for me lately. People will forget Virginia Tech. If Bama goes out, and for whatever reason, nobody knows what's ever going to happen in a college football game. There's a .001% chance this happens. But if Bama wins 14-10, Najee Harris scores both of those touchdowns, Mac throws for a buck fifty, has an interception or two, it's a weird game with a lot of turnovers, and Trevor Lawrence goes out, and his what have you done for me lately is 495, five touchdowns and a game winner, that was my situation. Yeah. I, I that's could, my what have you done for me lately. Just, Not what he just did. Nobody nobody will – I'm sorry, but nobody, if they're considering voting for Trevor Lawrence, it's not because of what he's done right now. It's because he's Trevor Lawrence. And yes. nobody will consider – nobody will even – if they're one of those people, what if they're one of those 80-year-old dudes that lives in Montana that just for some reason has a Heisman vote and he's thinking about Trevor Lawrence, he's not even going to think about the Virginia Tech game. He is only keyed into this weekend. Yeah. I So let's move on to my next question, which was uh, a non-quarterback can win the Heisman this year. Now, yeah, I mean, this is more said, true than any year since Derrick Henry. You said true. And while I agree with you, I'm going to throw a wrench in it, okay? For Devontae Smith to play well, unless Mac Jones gets hurt, which I don't think anybody would like that or want that. That is one way it could happen. For Devontae Smith to play well, Mac Jones has to play well, right? Yeah. For Devontae Smith to put up Heisman-like numbers, Mac Jones has to put up Heisman-like numbers. Mm-hmm. So how would it then not go to Mac Jones instead of Devontae Smith? If it's Mississippi State or LSU. If it's Mac Jones played really well and all of his touchdowns went to number six. If he, if he, if he, I mean, he scored four touchdowns against Mississippi State. He scored three against LSU. I think, if, yeah. If that's the case, I think it goes to Smith. Yeah, I think it, I, I definitely think it could. Um, if he takes a punt back, it goes to Smith. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if there's any sort of punt return, even if he doesn't take it back, but he makes a highlight-type play, um, you know, maybe one of those, eh, I don't know, spin move, run across the field 50 yards to then get upfield 45 yards down to the three or four or whatever, then, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but I think I, – I, I don't know – I feel like the committee is so determined to put a quarterback in the Heisman Trophy podium. And again, if Mac Jones deserves it, give it to him. Give it to him. Absolutely. If Kyle Trask deserves it, give it to him. We'll get to that in a second. But I just think it's a lot harder of a path for Devontae Smith right now than it is Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question I had, Kyle Trask can lose the SEC title game and still win the Heisman. No, he can't. I, I don't think he can either. Um, unless it's just an astronomical game, right? They lose 45 to 30, 45, 31, 45, 37, something like that. 
and he throws for just a boatload of yards, has two incompletions, um, but they just they, they don't get it done, right? Maybe it's a couple turnovers, I whatever. I still don't think he'd win it. I think they'd just give it to the best quarterback on the best team in that case, which um, is what it's looking like this year. It is what it's looking like. And the saddest part is I think Devontae Smith deserves it more than anyone we've mentioned. Um, I think Justin Fields deserves to be in the con- conversation, even though he's only played five games, the five games he's played. He has been the best player. Head and shoulders above everybody else. He has been the best guy on the field. Um, but Justin Fields didn't get that opportunity. I don't really think Trevor Lawrence has much of a chance like we discussed. Unfortunately, I think Devontae Smith will not finish really close to the top. I think it's between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. And I think it's Mac Jones' trophy to lose right now. I wish I'd put money on Devontae Smith two weeks ago. I, I really wish I would have to. I wish I would have put money on Mac Jones had plus sixteen hundred odds to win the Heisman before the season started. Sixteen hundred. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you toss a five on, uh, fiver on that, honey. Get the kids. We're going to Outback. Well, that was the thing is because this was this was Trevor Lawrence's year. I mean, this was his award to lose, uh, and they were going to play the most games of anybody. Let's not forget the ACC had more had scheduled more games than any conference. Yes. Bam, uh, uh, SEC gave their guys 10. I think ACC was 11, um, maybe 12. I don't remember now. It's, it's so murky. And that's why I thought at the beginning of the season, this is, this, he's going to play the most games, and he's already the favorite, and he's the poster child. And if all else fails, this is a career achievement award for him. Yes. And then he got COVID. It wasn't even that Clemson missed games. He missed games. And then maybe Clemson had a game. I don't remember the whole thing. It's very... Clemson, uh, Clemson is missed now, but yeah, Clemson's missed a couple games because remember they had the big falling out at Florida State, and Dabo said they were ducking him. It was that's right, that's thing. right, that's right. Yeah, right? so he's 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 missed multiple weeks, more weeks than than even his team had to miss, and so yes, that's, and that's where we got to where we are. I, right. I think, I think that maybe underselling's not the right word. I think that Smith is very much in this. I think he's second. I think he should have the second highest odds. I think only because we. I think we all know what Trask has to do to, to get himself back in there. And that's win. Right. Trask because, has to uh, win because and look if, good. Because if Trask wins, we all know the parade that happens when somebody beats Alabama. Yes. Everybody's going to forget the LSU game. It Again, is, it's it going to be... A la Star Wars A New Hope style right. parades. It is. Yes. He just upset Bama. This is the best team Bama's ever put out there. He just beat out... And Alabama's still going to make the playoff and they won't skip a beat. But the party that's going to take place if Alabama loses Saturday to Kyle Trask in Florida, that will be, and then, then, then I think he's again, the betting favorite if they win, because we all know no matter what, if they win, it's going to be because he throws for a lot. He's not going to throw for 200 and a win. It's going to be because he throws for a lot. So if they win 500 yards, yeah, then he's right back in it. But we all know the odds of that happening. I don't know. I would, I would put Smith second. And again, I think if he plays like he did against LSU or Mississippi state, or really just what he's done since Tennessee, except maybe the Arkansas game where he didn't have a reception touchdown. He did have a punt touchdown. Just, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what, we'll wait and see what happens this weekend. Uh, Britt, let's get to the conference title games. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um, mainly cause I got to get to work within the next 30 minutes. However, <laughs> sure. uh, I, I do want to ask you, um, your score predictions, and then maybe like a one to two sentence explanation. What happens in the game? Why does the team win that you pick is going to win? Ready? For the SEC championship? 
for all the, I'm going to ask you all of them. Okay. Okay. We're going to go chronologically throughout the day. First up, Ohio State versus Northwestern. Ohio State destroys Northwestern. Yes. Um, 48-14 because they're Ohio State and they're Northwestern. I think Ohio State does it because Justin Fields is going to try and make his own Heisman case, even though it's not really a thing that can happen. Um, I think he's going to go absolutely bonkers on Northwestern and in a Northwestern defense that is not very good. Oklahoma versus Iowa State. Who you got, Brick? Um, Oklahoma's been playing pretty decent football lately uh, since their 1-2 start. A lot better than they had been. This is a revenge game for them. I think they win it by two touchdowns. Uh, Rattler's been playing well, and Iowa State has also been playing well on and off. But I just think Oklahoma's going to win the rematch. It's hard to beat a team twice. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma have really come around. I think this game is going to make the college football playoff committee look absolutely moronic, and I can't <laughs> wait to watch that happen. Uh, yeah. Sunbelt Championship, usually not something I would talk about, but it is a top 20 matchup, uh, which is a lot more than we can say about uh, most other conference titles, uh, if we're being honest. Uh, Louisiana at Coastal Carolina. Um, I should have said group of five conference titles, but Louisiana at Coastal Carolina. Uh, that's a 330 kick. Brick, who you got in that one? Give me Louisiana this week. All right. I just I just said revenge game, hard to beat a team twice. That's exactly what this one is. And this is a team that actually beat Iowa State. Yeah, um, and I, I think I think Louisiana's uh, got probably a little chip on their shoulder. You know, they've they've yep. had just as good of a season um as Coastal Carolina. They only lost to Coastal Carolina by three. Um two weeks ago they put up seventy points. They beat App State, who is the perennial powerhouse in the Sun Belt Conference. You know, I bet I bet Louisiana's feeling a little uh, a feel, feeling a little miffed right now that they're not in that group of five um conversation with Coastal and Cincinnati. So yeah, I'm gonna take Louisiana uh here as well. Um, you know, I think Coastal's had a great season. I think they're a good team. I won't be surprised if they win. Uh but right now my money would be on Louisiana. Yep. Uh, Clemson versus Notre Dame, the big one at four o'clock. This will decide a playoff spot almost for sure. Um, it, it will decide which of these two teams I think gets in. If it's a blowout one way or another, if it's not, then we have a really big discussion. Uh, if Clemson just barely upsets Notre Dame brick, who do you have in this one and why? This is, this is an easy one for me. I'm, I'm taking Clemson. I'm taking them not handily, but I'm taking them by multiple scores. Uh, this is the, what the third straight redemption game. Now you've brought up. This one now comes down to me. It's going to come down to Trevor Lawrence versus Ian Book. And I'm sorry. This is this is the part of the year where Trevor Lawrence goes into LeBron mode. Uh, yeah, I agree this with is where that. He, this is where he plays his best football. He plays his best football in November, December, January. Um, and, and I don't think Notre Dame's stopping Trevor Lawrence on Saturday. No, I don't either. I don't either. I, th- I think Notre Dame's had a great season. I think Ian Book and what he's done with Notre Dame has been awesome. He's exceeded my wildest expectations for that team and for him. Um, but I, I just I, I don't see a way in which they get it done against that uh, against Clemson. I don't think Notre Dame's defense can really stop Clemson's offense. I also don't think that Clemson's line um, or Notre Dame's uh, offensive line is impressive, but I don't know if it can really hold up against Clemson's front seven. Clemson's Clemson does have a few injuries at linebacker, but they have had uh, a week to rest and prepare. Um, I've got Clemson by 13 in this one. I, I see like a 37-24 or 34-21 type game uh, yeah. going on in the ACC title. Uh, the marquee matchup, 
the big I wouldn't say marquee. That's not that's not right. It's it's one of one of the main card fights. CBS eight o'clock as is always right uh, in the SEC title game. Alabama number one, Florida number seven. A week ago, this game was looking a lot more exciting. Um, a lot of people taking Alabama big. The spread is ballooned up to 18 and a half points. Brick, I think it's going to be a lot closer than that if I'm being honest. You know, Alabama, really? Alabama's got some real questions uh, as far as their defensive backfield is concerned, and that's where Florida's been able to pick some teams off this year. I don't think that Alabama's going to lose this game. I've still got Alabama by probably 10 to 14 points um, where they pull away late, but I could see Florida making this one really interesting late in the game. I'm not with you there. I I think that they cover. Well, you said 18? I said I, 18 and a half. Yeah, I think that they cover. I look at their like opponents, um, and I just I, I can't find where these two teams are really close on paper at all. I mean, I know Florida throws the ball a lot, and they'll be able to, to do some damage there, but Florida didn't do a ton of damage against Tennessee. And so I look at Tennessee, right? Uh, Alabama beat Tennessee 48-17, yes. yep. and that was one of their not-as-good games of the season. Yes, and, and I, think, I think statistically that was Mac Jones' worst game of the season, right? Yes, and it was the game they lost Jalen Waddle. It was a weird morning game, and things sort of got strange. Um, I look at their like opponents: A and M, Bama kills A and M, Florida loses to A and M. LSU, Bama kills LSU, Florida loses to LSU. Even Kentucky, uh, they beat them by twenty-four. Alabama beats them by sixty. I don't see where they're close on paper. I don't see where Florida. I know that Bama has some question marks on defense. Some uh, their safeties sometimes give up plays. I look at Florida and I go that they 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 can't stop a running water by turning off the tap. I Man, mean they 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 have them holes out. holes call in them defense. out. Yeah, and this the Bama will score at will as long as they're not turning the ball over, which they have not been doing this year. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. I I think I think uh, gosh, if Florida's Florida if Florida would just learn to run the ball. I think this game would be a lot more interesting, but you can't. And David Pollock said it earlier in this week, and I really don't like David Pollock, but he brought up a good point. This is a year where you cannot beat Alabama being a one-dimensional offense. And Florida mm-hmm. right now is the most one-dimensional offense in the nation, for sure. Hands down. The X, the X factor in this game is not Trask. It's Kadarius Toney. How can they use Kadarius Toney against Alabama? And how can they if they force Alabama to some turnovers and Kadarius Toney can get some big plays... They've got a shot. That's where yeah. they've got a shot. Alabama might be sleeping on them because they know they can lose this game, and they might not be respecting them because they just watch them lose to LSU. That hasn't been a problem for a while for now. Nick Saban coach team in a few years probably, but um, that's that's the recipe, and that's that's a very specific recipe. I'm not saying it can happen. I'm not even saying it won't happen, but the likelihood, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a 48, 24, 21 type game. Yeah, I, I could see that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 42. Ah, eh. I'm gonna go 47-34. Okay. I, I really don't think Alabama's gonna go with that many. I, I just talked my way out of my my original prediction, but I'm gonna stand by it because I'm a red blooded American and I'm stubborn. Uh, another interesting game: Tulsa at Cincinnati. Cincinnati really gonna try and prove their way here. Um, so Tulsa's been awesome this season, man. They they've had a great defense. They've had a really good year. I don't see them beating Cincinnati in this one, but I think it's going to be a great game. Tulsa-Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I've been sleeping on that game. Yeah. Tulsa, and Tulsa's secretly been a, a you know, the, the, the... It's going to be a great game. The Hurricane, whatever they call them, the Golden Hurricanes. They've, you know, they beat UCF. That's a good 
program as much as you don't want to hear it. SMU's been good this year. They beat yeah. SMU. Yep, they beat Shane Bouchelle, and they really shut down the pass, which is one of Cincinnati's strong suits. I think that's going to be a really good game. I'm going to give Cincinnati a seven and a half point. This is the third time they've tried to play this game, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. This will be if they can play this one. It's a it's one of three times. You know, but right? This is for the title, right? This they were supposed to play twice in the regular season. Right now, they right. now they're just forced to being. Yeah, that's that's a little that's twenty twenty stuff for you right there. Um, the spread is fourteen and a half. I think Tulsa's going to cover that, but I still get Cincinnati the win. Uh, Brick, you, you give Cincinnati the win there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Arizona State at Oregon State, the nice little Pac twelve after dark night capper. You know, I'll be watching this one. Forks up. Um, I, I've got Arizona State by well, they 10. scored 70, right? They just yes, put up 70? They, just, they just put up 70 and completely ruined uh, the career of um, Kevin Sumlin, in Sumlin, my opinion. Yeah. So, I, 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 I don't know. Sumlin's fired if, now, right? Yes, Sumlin got fired uh, the day after the game. I don't know if Sumlin can really ever bounce back from that one and work his way back into a Power 5 job, a big, high-profile Power 5 job, but... Stranger things have happened. Hugh Freeze still has a job. And Gus Malzahn just got fired, which brings me to the last point I want to make on Pat's interference. Brick, Gus Malzahn gets fired. You've been covering it all week. Was this the right call in 2020? Yes, but not the way they did it. Gus Malzahn should have been fired either after the Iron Bowl or at worst after the A&M game. It, it, it's the way I know I know that you're, you're running out of time. You got to go to work. And I'm surprised we're just now getting the Malzahn. Also, another big 2020 thing is that Pac-12 championship. Washington had COVID. They couldn't play, right? Let's put in Oregon. The only reason I segue to that is because Cristobal has been mentioned for the Auburn job. If Auburn wanted to make a move on a hire, they needed to know who their guy was if they're going to get rid of him after the season three days before uh, early signing day. If you want to do a search committee, do that when you have a few weeks to repair and get him in before signing day. Don't do it. I don't know. So it was the right call, but really really mismanaged yeah i think Gus it was going to keep the mediocre Gus Malzahn was going to keep the mediocre he was never going to compete at a Saban level and probably not even at a jimbo level moving forward mm. you got to get a guy that can complete compete at a Saban level that's 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 your goal that's who you want to compare yourself to there's no point hanging on to if you have boosters that are willing to pay his buyout go for it but don't yeah. the, the way they manage it the, the, you know they're they're too the, it was it's been mismanaged and that's so Cristobal, Steele, Kiffin, uh, Sarkeesian, who is my betting favorite. Those are all names that have been mentioned. Freeze. Freeze. I don't think Freeze is happening, but he's been said in there. Napier. Uh, th- th- those are the dudes. I-, I think if I were to put money on it today, I would still say it's Sarkeesian. I have a hard time believing that they're going to pay $21 million to get-, to get rid of Gus Malzahn to keep Kevin Steele, their defensive coordinator, who's been a head coach before at Baylor and went 1-31 in conference play. Don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I think Sarkeesian's a good call. Um, obviously, Auburn's going to want to go with an offensive guy. That's Auburn's MO, right? Is, is high-octane offense, good stand-up defense. Go look at what Sarkeesian was doing at USC before the wheels kind of fell off. That's the recipe. That's exactly what he was doing. So, uh, Brick, it's sound-off time. Go ahead and give me your sound-off, buddy. UAB Blazers. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short, but... but... Um, this is just, a, I know that UAB hasn't been the, uh, you know, the, the story that they were the last few years, but it, this is another, and I just mentioned the guys for Auburn's job. Bill Clark has got to start to be more of a name in these, in these, in these coaching openings. What he keep, continues to do, right? He brought the program back after they, they after they were gotten rid of, you know, they, they were left for dead. They were disbanded. He stayed. He kept them. 
He got them into now their third straight Conference USA Championship game, third straight division championship. They won one of them. He convinced them, not only after getting rid of the program, he didn't just convince them to bring them back. He convinced them to build a new stadium so he can get shit done. Uh, excuse my French. And, like, what he did this past week against Rice, nobody's talking about it, but 40 players didn't make the trip to go play Rice. 40 players. He went down there with walk-ons. They, they missed their, they didn't have their leading rusher. They were missing some starting receivers. Half their defense was gone. They were plugging in walk-ons at UAB in a division clinch, clinching game that they could have easily backed out of, by the way. Yeah. Oh, for they sure. They went down there with walk-ons, won it, and now they're going to yet another conference championship game. Yeah. That's a guy that you want leading your pro. That That's the kind of dude you want. No, we'll face you. We'll bring our walk-ons, right? I'm going to get myself a new stadium. Uh, he gets it done, man. He, yes. he convinced them to bring back a program that was left for dead, that, that, that the state didn't care about, that, that barely moved the meter for anybody except the very loyal. L- he convinced them to bring that back, build a new stadium, and he's been successful with it. He bet on himself, continues to bet on himself and his guys. And I'm not saying that Auburn's the job. I mean, that's a humongous leap from UAB to Auburn. But he has got to be taken more seriously for 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 a. And I know he loves out Birmingham, and this is his home. But his name needs to be more prominent in these discussions. He is completely. I know that they're not as good as they were three years ago when they won the CUSA. But with what he's doing and what what he's continuing to do. That's the kind of guy you want leading a program. Yeah. He keeps taking these dudes to championship games and everybody's over them and everybody's, you know, they're not the best team in the CUSA this year. And he's right back in the conference championship game. If they beat Marshall, they're conference USA champions. It's, it, it's insane. But that's, that's my Bill Clark rant. Put, put more respect on Bill Clark's name. 100%. Says Patrick Britman. My big thing this week is I, I love – the Sarah Fuller storyline, I think it's really cool. I think it's the one bright spot that Vanderbilt has had in the past, I don't know, five years in college football. Um, you know, they did have that, what, 6-0 and start, and then their linemen called out Alabama, and they lost by 50 and lost their next four or five games. Um, so I guess that would be the next bright spot. This is a massive thing for college football. I don't think this is going to start being a trend by any means or any stretch of the imagination. But this is a sport that's considered so exclusive, not inclusive. Right, this is a sport that is exclusive to group of five, or to power five, excuse me, and it excludes group of five. It you know, it includes the upper class of people who can afford it really well. You know, the people that get the nicest facilities and have the best plane for recruiting and things like that. It's just nice to see college football have an inclusive storyline uh, for once. And I don't know how people can be mad about this and say, well, it's a publicity stunt. Okay, you're wrong if you think that. But if you do think that, why does it matter? Why does it matter at all if it's a publicity stunt? It's a cool thing. I've seen Vanderbilt fans mad about this. How are you mad about this? This is so cool. You Vanderbilt, this is probably the only time in your school's history, from previous times to right now and probably forever and ever, amen, that your school is going to be known as the first to ever have something done. <laughs> How are you mad about this? I just, I don't understand it. And obviously it's a small 2% dumb part of the population that thinks this, right? Sure. But, but, they're, the very, but, they're, but they're a very vocal majority at times. Just stop pissing on everybody's good time parade. 
How's that sound? Huh? We're excited about this. Was it super impressive? Was it a 50-yard bomb? No, it was an extra point. Who cares? Who cares? It was a great storyline in a year where we need great storylines. If you don't like it, just shut up. That's my sound off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to another great episode of Pat's Interference. I do have to get to work because it is Thursday at noon and because it's COVID, uh, my work hours are completely flipped now. So (laughs) that's how the world works. Patrick Brimman, you're a great person. I really appreciate you doing this podcast with me. Uh, Likewise. I can't wait to talk about next week and all the things we got wrong and how the committee was right and how we got the Heisman wrong uh, because that is tradition on this podcast. But, buddy, there's nothing better than doing a podcast with my best friend in the whole world. Whole world.